Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, try that again. Good morning, everyone. It is uh, awesome to be back home. My family and I took a vacation, went away, had a great time. Amen, sister. And have you ever gone on vacation, and when you get home, we got home yesterday evening, you struggle to get traction the next day. You ever been there? All right, I appreciate your prayers. Got up this morning and struggled to get traction. How about that for a confession? But I'm excited to be here, and um, I'm excited because here at City, we are working through a sermon series all summer entitled Life in the Spirit. I know that for a lot of us, the Holy Spirit is something that is foreign to us. Many of you have come from backgrounds or maybe never been in church at all, and the Holy Spirit is something that's new, and we're going to be and have been focusing on the Holy Spirit all summer. Now, this morning, my sermon is going to be based on walk in the Spirit. That's the title of the sermon. But before we get there, I need to tell you another thing I'm excited about today is the World Cup. I'm a soccer fan. Now, in most of the world, it's called football. My opinion now, that's the real football. Here's why. When I played sports, specifically in high school, I played some soccer in college. Excuse me, I played football in college. I know in high school, I weighed 130 pounds soaking wet. And what I discovered was, in order to play football, the, the kind with pads and helmets, you had to be a genetic freak of nature. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I remember looking out on the football field going, I think I'm going to stick with soccer. But what's cool about soccer and why I like soccer is one of the best players in the world is five foot seven. Five foot seven. You don't have to be a genetic freak of nature in order to play football, or I should say soccer. Now, here's my request from everyone here at City. The soccer game, the World Cup game, will start at 11. I'm asking you, please don't tell me the score. I want to go home and watch it off of Rewind. Because I know that Croatia will beat France today. I already know that. That's what's going to happen. But I also kind of teed up this morning's sermon with those thoughts about soccer. Here's the reality. Anyone can play soccer. Not everyone can play football. And here's what I want to tell you from the get-go. Anyone who is a follower of Jesus can walk in the Spirit. You do not have to be a freak of nature in order to walk in the Spirit. Similarly, soccer, anyone can play soccer, but not everyone can play football. So again, as we process through this morning, I want you to remember, whether you're a brand new follower of Jesus or you've walked with Jesus for decades, whether you're just memorizing your first memory verse, 
or you've got the entire New Testament memorized. No matter where you're at, this morning's sermon, this morning's message, the point of it is to challenge you to be a person who walks in the Spirit. Here's why the world needs you to walk in the Spirit. You need you to walk in the Spirit. Your family needs you to walk in the Spirit. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin by looking at a scripture, a text, a saying from Jesus. And the reason why we're going to start here is because this is where the Christian life begins. The Christian life begins with going through a spiritual revolution that the Bible calls born again. Now, if you are not a follower of Jesus, and you're kind of looking over the wall or you're looking through the fence at Christianity, you've probably heard the term born again, and it's attributable to people who are followers of Jesus. They are people who are born again. Now, I am one of those. There are many others, millions, hundreds of millions, billions around this world that are followers of Jesus who are also born again. And here's what I want to tell you. I am one of these. Now, I want to say at the outset, I don't agree with how every born-again person behaves. I don't agree with how every church that says you must be born again does that. But I'm going to tell you, they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. The born-again family is a messy family. But we need to be born again. Because without this thing called born again, it would be a whole lot worse. Trust me. Now, where does the idea of born again come from? Well, it comes from Jesus. Fascinatingly enough, the words born again are only recorded in this context in all of Scripture, and yet it became the label of so much of the modern day church. Now, although we're going to take a look at a bigger chunk of Scripture later, here's where I want to begin, because this is the beginning of walking in the Spirit. It's right here. Jesus says, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. In other words, the idea of being naturally born and spiritually born. Reading on. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's natural birth. Trust me, you've been through that process. You don't remember it, but here's what I know. I've observed the birth of three of my children, and it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. I am in no way downplaying the miraculous, incredible nature of physical birth. But Jesus says that anyone who's gone through that natural birth also will need a second birth in order to get into the kingdom of God. That's where he says it, right here. He says, flesh give birth to flesh, but the, what's the next word? Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. Why? Why is that? Here's why. The kingdom that Jesus came to build was a spiritual kingdom. 
He was coming out of a Jewish reality whereas where the way in was because you were born into the right family. You were born Jewish. If you were born Jewish, you were in. If you wanted to get in and you were not born Jewish, you could actually become Jewish, but you were never really in. In other words, flesh gave birth to you if you were Jewish, and that's what made you in. Jesus shows up and says, I'm starting a new kingdom. And in my kingdom, you do not have to be born of flesh into the right family. But you do have to be born again or born anew, or another way to translate this verse is to say, be born from above. Because Jesus' kingdom is a spiritual one. It's a spiritual kingdom. And in order to get in, there must be a spiritual birth in your life and in mine. Now this is key. Jesus is offering every one of us, every one of us, a do-over. A fresh start. I don't care if you're 80 years old and you're here looking over the fence at Jesus and you're determining whether or not you want to follow him. Jesus looks at you and says, you can have a start over in me. As a matter of fact, the only way to get into my kingdom, Jesus says, is you must be born again. Born of the Spirit. Now here's what I want to say. All of us ought to be thrilled with that because there is a kingdom that anyone at any age, at any time can access through Jesus because when I say yes to him, he, through the power of the Spirit, transforms me and revolutionizes my life from the outside or from the inside out. In other words, you're born anew. You are born again. Listen, and I want you to hear me clearly that when you look at being a Christian, if you are looking at being a follower of Jesus, here's what I want to tell you. It is not an add-on to your life. When you say yes to Jesus, he, through the power of the Holy Spirit, comes inside of your life and revolutionizes you from the inside out. Christianity is not a new shirt that you wear. It is a spiritual revolution that happens inside of who you are. That's what it is. When I look at that, I get thrilled because you can weigh 130 pounds soaking wet and you're in. You do not have to be a genetic freak of nature in order to be a part of this kingdom. What we do have to do, though, is come to Jesus, put our faith, hope, and trust in him. And when we do, and we open up our hearts by faith, there is a spiritual transition that happens. Now, when I look at this, here's what you need to know. In the Older Testament, the Holy Spirit was active. But I want you to clearly understand this. In the Older Testament, the Holy Spirit came on people. In the Newer Testament, through Jesus, when you put your faith, hope, and trust in him, the Holy Spirit no longer comes on people. The Holy Spirit moves in people. That's huge. 
That's huge. Here's why. Primarily in the Older Testament, when the Holy Spirit came on someone, it was for an event. It was for a specific purpose at a specific time. Something like Samson. We actually looked at Samson in the Life of the Spirit series earlier on this summer. The Holy Spirit would come on him and give him strength for a specific event. Here's what the Newer Testament teaches us that through Jesus, the Holy Spirit does not come on me for a specific event. The Holy Spirit lives in me so that I can walk in the Spirit every single day of my life. So, with this in mind, here's what I would like for us to do. I would like for us to read together when we think about life in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, I would like for us to read some of the most challenging verses in the Newer Testament. Oh, by the way, it's so good to be home. So we're going to read Galatians chapter 5, and it's going to be on the large screen. I want for you to read these words by faith. Open up your heart to them. Be receptive to them. Let's read. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Paul is writing a letter to a specific church in the city of Galatia. And in this letter, he is challenging that church with the concept of walking in the Spirit. Here we go. Here's what he says. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, capital S, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now what Paul is referencing there is the Jewish law. That in the Older Testament and in his own life as someone that was a Jewish person, the law and obeying the rules was the center of how you got right with God. Now what he's saying though is, is if you walk in the Spirit, that the Spirit empowers you to live life in a new way, reading on. Here's what he says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. The flesh is the part of you, and yes, part of me that wars against God's best in my life. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, Paul puts and the like there because some of us would look at this list and we'd go, whew, Good thing. My sin ain't on there. He didn't mention it. And Paul says what? And the like. Reading on. And here's what he says. So stunning. I warn you. I'm going to do the same. I warn you. I warn you as I did before. This isn't the first time Paul's warned them of these things. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Reading on. Here's what he says. 
but the fruit of the Spirit. So he is comparing the acts of the flesh to what he calls fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and what's the next one? Self-control. Woof. Self-control. Reading on. Against things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the whole idea of looking at Scripture and recognizing that Jesus talks about And now the Apostle Paul talks about this life that is spirit-empowered. Let's look at the list that the Apostle Paul gives us. The acts of the flesh are obvious. He's basically saying, I don't need to give you the list, but I'm going to. And in a real weird way, or in a good way, I should put it, the Apostle Paul presents to us a list. Because... The list confronts us. It's a mirror. It's something I look at and say, oh my goodness, am I part of that list? Is something on here running my life? Now here's what I want to say. When you look at these, what you're going to notice instantly is that these things destroy relationships with people. They destroy it. But there's one that's kind of a little bit different. And it's this word here, witchcraft. It's a little bit different. You look at the rest and you kind of go, okay, I get it. That all the others are kind of things that the flesh does. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of the list, the Apostle Paul puts witchcraft. And here's why, for two reasons. Number one, this other stuff, just so you know, is spiritual as well. You might just think it's physical action. Paul's saying, oh, no, 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 no. There's a spiritual component to these things too. But he also mentions witchcraft. Now, it might seem as though that's an odd thing for me to mention. But I can tell you that as I prayed over this list, God put it in my heart to focus on it because there are people here that are doing it. I felt it. That there are people here that because your family was involved in certain things that are outside in faith in Jesus, then they turn to different apparatus or different things in order to get direction, to look for strength, to find an answer to something troubling in life, that you too are turning there. I warn you, stop. Repent. Turn it to Jesus. Because I can promise you that a life by faith is the way you will want to live. I'm not saying it's easy. And I know that some people have turned to things involved with witchcraft because it's tangible. You can hold things. You can actually manipulate things. You can see it in front of you. But I will tell you there's a force behind it that is anti to your very life. Reading on, 
when we look at this list, the question becomes for me and for you, how am I doing with this list? And what I determined when I looked at this list, I determined that if there's something here in my life that's not right, I'm going to begin to walk in the Spirit in the midst of that. I've shared before about how several years ago fits of rage began to enter back into my life. And when it did, I had outbursts two times. And the second time I did, I ceased to justify it. I said, I know God, this is going to destroy the relationships of the people I love the most. So I called up friends who are people that hold me accountable and I confess my sin. You know what's amazing? Two of them said to me, Pete, I do the same thing. I said, well, you need to repent too. <laughs> right? You too. Not just me, you too. But two others said, Pete, you need to deal with that. So I called up a faith-based counselor. Called up the guy's office and I said, I'm going to be at your door tomorrow. And she said, I don't have appointments. He's not available. I said, I'll be there. And I was. Guess what? He saw me. Because when these things crop up, you take them out at the knees. You don't explain them away. You don't soft sell them. You don't peddle them. You don't say, well, the family I grew up in did this too. No, no, no. We're part of the followership of Jesus. It's different. We walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Well, the next slide, since we need to move there because it's quiet, <laughs> is what Paul calls fruits of the spirit. Here they are. Don't you love them? My goodness. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. What's the next word? Forbearance. I have no clue what that means, but we'll come back to it. <laughs> Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, no one's going to point a bony finger in your face and say, don't do that anymore. Isn't that incredible? Now, the only time they will is the one that's in the top right, joy. If you do that before 6 a.m., you will have trouble with everyone in your life. If you're joyful at 6 a.m., keep it between you and Jesus. After 6, it's okay. Forbearance. This past week, I was away with my family. And while we were the way, away, some of us were sitting around a campfire up in upstate New York. It was beautiful. It was 100 degrees here and 65 there. While we were around the fire, again, I don't know what forbearance means. But all of a sudden, we're around the fire, there's like 15 of us, and someone comes running through this camp, and they're yelling, bear, bear. We're around the fire, and the people come running around the house that's next to where we are, and they said, there's a black bear coming, don't run. <laughs> the lady across the fire from me was airborne. She went over the fire, over me, and ran into the house, totally doing the wrong thing. Well, I sat there, and I tried to explain to the woman next to me, as she was running into the house, that that bear is more afraid of you than you are of it. Because what you keep doing is you put black bears in the same can as grizzly bears. It's not the same. 
How many of you here in Virginia have lived here for some period of time and you've seen a black bear? Raise your hand. Lots of us. How many of you have ever in the news heard of anyone who was killed by a black bear? Raise your hand. Put your hand down. You're ruining my illustration. Now, when Fran and I went on, we kind of went back for our 15th anniversary. We went way up into Canada, and up there they have grizzly bears. The first day we landed, we got into our hotel. They said a woman was just killed this morning by a grizzly bear at the garbage dump. Don't go there. So again, I don't know what forbearance is, but it's got the word bear in it. (laughs) And what I know is when a lot of people see bears... They respond very differently. Now, here's what was amazing. In the midst of that context of the bear, and by the way, the bear came running within 25 feet of us and was heading up the mountain as five people were chasing it. What was amazing was one of the individuals, when they heard the word bear, said something. It was very out of character for them. But they said what we call in our house a wordy dirt, as they jumped and sprinted into the house. Later, we were in a conversation. Here's what the person told me. They said, you know what's funny? I used to curse all the time. All the time. Four-letter words were adjectives. Then I came to Jesus. And Jesus deeply touched my life. All of that went away. All of it. But when a bear walked through the woods, and by the way, when that person turned around, the bear was starting to climb over the fence right behind this person. Forbearance was overrun by the bear. The bear won. But it was incredible to sit there and listen to that person as they shared the testimony of the difference Jesus Christ had made the day they said yes to Jesus. The day they said yes to Jesus. Christ came into their heart and into their life and did the most incredible work you could ever imagine. Now, as we look at what we have in front of us, how do we put feet to our faith with this? What does it look like? What does it look like when the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Galatia, walk in the Spirit? What does this look like for you and for me? Here's a word. I would like for you to remember. It's a simple word. It's the word conviction. Conviction. It's a word that is very powerful in my own life because as I first came to Jesus, I heard a sermon on conviction. And what the pastor said was this. You know God loves you when he convicts you by his Holy Spirit of something you're getting to do that's wrong. So the idea would be to walk in the Spirit in my life, maybe in yours, begins right here. Conviction. The next time you're ready to do something and the Holy Spirit begins to knock on your heart, it's called your conscience. When the Holy Spirit begins to convict you, that is the Holy Spirit calling you to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. I have never met a person, ever, that did the list that Paul first mentions, that we first read, I have never met a person that did that list. 
where that list or a topic in that list overran their life, where first of all, the Holy Spirit did not show up and knock on their heart's door and say, you need to move away from this, ever. I have never sat down with someone who sexual, is this, there we go, who sexual addiction brought them to the point where it cost them a marriage. I've never met a person that woke up one day and did that without knowing all along that the Holy Spirit was convicting them. All along. Now you can harden your heart. The Bible says that. But my prayer for you and for me is that we would always be open to this thing called conviction because it's the baseline of walking in the Spirit and not satisfying the things of the flesh. Next, the Apostle Paul gives us two phrases. If you were to read Galatians 5, those verses we read again, you would see these two phrases. Paul says, when we walk in the Spirit, we are to be led by the Spirit, and we are to keep in step with the Spirit. So the idea here is this. To be led by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit means this. Have you ever traveled with someone? You ever traveled with someone? You ever taken a vacation with someone? When you do and you spend time with them, their presence begins to affect yours. What Paul is talking about here is that when you intentionally place yourselves in a spot where the Spirit of God is working, where Scripture is beginning to come alive to you. But as you move through life and you are led by the Spirit, you keep in step with the Spirit, the Spirit of God is going to be t- begin to touch and transform your life. It begins with being born again. It begins with being saying yes to Jesus. But in my life, here's what I know. When I travel with someone, they help to determine the direction of my life. They help to determine the direction. I have a friend of mine here in Charlottesville who spent several years wandering away from God. They made a distinct decision, and when they made the decision, here's what they told me. They said, Pete, when I made this distinct decision to move away from God, and it was a choice, a specific choice, they said, in that moment, I felt the peace of God leave me. I went and did it anyway. Now, they came back to the Lord, but not before. There was a lot of disaster in their wake. I've known other people, my life included, where I'm being led by the Spirit, and the Spirit of God is determining direction. And as I'm walking in the Spirit, and I'm keeping in step with the Spirit, and I'm walking with that conviction and what God knows is best for my life, what I have discovered is, in the midst of that, God does a deeper work in my heart and my life than I could have ever imagined. Paul says to the church in Galatia, be led by the Spirit. He also says, keep in step with the Spirit. If you are walking with Jesus, this becomes a basic principle of our lives. The Spirit leads me. The Holy Spirit leads me, and I keep in step with the Spirit. Now, here's what I know, and this actually is exciting for me. Some of you, this week, are going to exit Sunday, and you're going to step into a context that is absolutely not led by the Spirit. 
You'll step into an office culture that is anything but following Jesus. You know what Paul promises? And you know what Jesus guarantees? That if you will by faith be open to the Spirit of God, that you will discover that you will walk by the Spirit and not in the flesh. It's a powerful thing. It's powerful. Now, as we look at the whole idea of understanding what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, here's what the Apostle Paul writes at the very end of those two paragraphs that we read. Here's what he says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, in other words, if you've said yes to Jesus, I've said yes to Jesus. If you have not, this does not apply to you. But if you've said yes to Jesus, you have been born again, you have put your faith, hope, and trust in Christ, then here's the reality of my walk with the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, what are the next three words? crucified the flesh. We recognize the danger of it. We know that it's very bad to not crucify the flesh. Here's why. Let me tell you honestly. Remember that list that the Apostle Paul gave us at the beginning? That list of things that the flesh does? Here's what I want to tell you. Unless you and I crucify the flesh in Christ, the natural outworking of the flesh is to fulfill that list. That's where it goes naturally. I don't have to tell my flesh to be selfish. It does it. I don't have to tell the flesh to put my life first. It automatically does that. I don't have to tell my flesh to do all of those things that were on the Apostle Paul's list. But what I found in my life, I have to, by the power of the Spirit... Tell myself I need to move towards those things that are the fruits of the Spirit. I don't do them naturally, but through the power of Christ I can. And the Apostle Paul says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have, what are the next three words? Crucified the flesh. It's a decision we make. That we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what does it mean then? It means that in just a few moments, we're going to take communion together. It means you're going to have an opportunity to look again at Christ and Him crucified. That again, you will have an opportunity to think through the list that the Apostle Paul gave us and the list of the fruits of the Spirit which we're going to revisit within a week or so. I should say next month we'll be looking at the fruits of the Spirit again. But it gives me an opportunity this morning to say, is there a part of Pete Hartwig's life that is not crucified? There's passion or desire that has not been crucified nailed to the cross with Christ. If it hasn't, you're going to have the opportunity right now to put feet to your faith. If you are here this morning and you were not served when you came in but you would like to take communion with us, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand right now.
that you would lift up your hands signifying that you did not get the communion elements as you came through the door. If you need help opening up your communion, please don't be shy. Turn and ask someone to help you. But as we take communion this morning, we are going to take the time to consider what we've just heard. Because I know in my life, I have experienced the power of bringing a fleshly area of my life to the cross and trusting that what Christ has done will allow me to crucify that area of my life. Some of you have an area of flesh that through the flesh you have tried to defeat flesh. It's not how this works. How this works is when the Holy Spirit begins to convict me and some of us are being convicted right now where we know the area of our flesh that derails us. How about this morning we deal with it through the power of the crucifixion of Christ? Has everyone been served that would like to be served? Are there any outstanding who have not received communion yet? Keep your hand raised. It looks as though we now have all been served. Would you stand with me? As we take a moment, I'd like for you to close your eyes but open your hearts. Jesus, thank you for sending your spirit. Jesus, thank you that we can be born again, we can be born anew, that spirit gives birth to spirit in our lives. Oh, how we need that. And now, Jesus, as we hold the emblems of your broken body and your shed blood, we believe that what we hold gives us victory over death and sin and the grave. That in you, can find victory over the flesh. So the worship team is going to sing just for a few moments. As they do, would you in God's presence, along with me, let's take a few moments and open ourselves up to the working of the Spirit. Is there any conviction? Is there anything that the Spirit of God is convicting you of? Let's take a moment and allow God to search our hearts. You match this in grace and mercy. There's nowhere we can hide from your love. You are steadfast, never failing. You are faithful. Creation is in all who you are. 
surrendered ourselves into the working of the Holy Spirit is there something is there some area of your life that you know needs to be crucified that, that area of your flesh is to be crucified with Christ this morning if that's the case that process would look like this where you would confess you would confess that to God right now that as you hold the emblems of Christ's flesh his broken body and his blood that you would confess it right now that you would ask God by his grace to allow the commemoration of Christ's flesh and his broken body and his shed blood that this this cup this broken body would be the thing that would mark your life in that area from here on there is no other power there is no other authority greater than this that will give us the victory in these areas of our lives so Jesus, now we confess to you those areas of our lives where the flesh has overcome the spirit. We confess it, ask for your forgiveness, and pray from this moment on that what Christ has done for us, we would be able to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. So, Holy Spirit, come. The Apostle Paul writes to the church of Corinth, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's hold the bread before the Lord and give him thanks. Jesus, we now stand in your presence and we hold the bread, which is the symbol of your flesh. As we hold it, we declare that this flesh will take authority over ours and give us the victory that this flesh has died for. 
Jesus' name, in Christ's name. Let's partake together. The Bible goes on in the book of Corinthians to tell us that in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. But whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's hold the cup up before the Lord. Jesus, now as we hold up this cup, we commemorate, we commemorate your shed blood. Your shed blood guarantees us that everything that our flesh has done finds forgiveness in you. So Jesus, I pray that as again we drink this cup together as a church family, and as we do so, that the victory that this blood provides would give us victory in Christ. Let's drink the fruit of the vine together. we conclude our time, I know that there are some of us who maybe would like extended prayer. I'm going to ask that at this time the life group leaders and those members of our prayer team would begin to move to the sides, maybe a couple down front. But if you would like prayer in some area of your life, maybe you would like a physical touch from the Lord this morning, our prayer team is prepared to pray with you and to pray for you. The worship team is going to lead us. Rebecca is going to lead us now in the same worship song that she was singing earlier. I invite you to stay here in God's presence until you sense God's release. And when you sense that, you can feel free to be dismissed. Now may the Lord bless us. May the Lord keep us. May we be a group of men and women who walk in the spirit and not in the flesh and that in that we would find peace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, feel free to remain until you sense God's presence releasing you. Your heart, it moves with compassion. There's life, there's healing in your love. You're the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. For eternity, we'll sing of all you've done. We sing, God with us, God for us. Nothing can come against, no one can stand between. And you lifted me up.
the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence a roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me let's sing it again then came the Sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe, and out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no
You came running down my pride. 
Father God, thank you for putting your Holy Spirit inside of us. Thank you for making us yours, for breathing life into us so we can be born again. And now we are your children. And I pray that you would seal up our every day, that we would walk in your spirit and live in freedom and not bound to sin, that you would Give us all a greater freedom in your spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Go in peace.